This is a place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, we're just going to go in on some sports today. The Ducks lost last weekend. The Raiders lost last night. And I'm not in really in the greatest of moods. But we're going to talk about it because I'm pretty sure y'all want to hear my opinion about it. I got a lot to say. I got a lot, a lot on my mind, especially about that Duck game. But let's talk about some Monday Night Football first. Let's get to the uh, NFL. Also want to get into the MLB. Of course, we have the AL wild card uh, coming on tonight. Yankees, Red Sox, rivalry. We're going to break that down a little bit as well as the final standings of the MLB and just how we got to the playoff situation. But let's get into it. Like I said, with some Monday Night Football, the Chargers get it done against my Raiders 28-14. to uh, Both teams are now at 3-1 and with the Raiders suffering their first loss of the season. Uh, for the Raiders, Derek Carr, of course, uh, had a solid game, uh, threw a late interception that was ugly, but 21-34 from him, 196 yards, he went through two touchdowns. Uh, Brandon Jacobs, uh, really nondescript from him yet, uh, last night, just 40 yards on the ground from him. Henry Ruggs will be your leading receiver with three catches and 60 yards. Uh, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro will both catch touchdown passes. And defensively, you will get two sacks out of Darian, uh, Darius Phylon. And uh, for another game, uh, looks like Denzel Perriman uh, was the leading tackler. I think he had 12 total tackles. Uh, in this one, he was actually tied by Quay Littleton, though. They both had uh, 12 total tackles. Uh, but let's take a look at the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert, 25 of 38, 222 yards. Really awesome game from him. Austin Eckler, 172 yards on the ground from him. He also had a, a, a receiving touchdown. Uh, tight end Jared Cook, uh, he's been in the even in the league for a while now, but six catches from him last night, 70 yards and a touchdown. And tight end Donald, Donald Parham will get a receiving touchdown as well. And offensively for L.A., Derwin James, uh, their safety will get six total tackles and a sack. And in those tackle, Christian Sullivan uh, will get a sack. Uh, and the Chargers would altogether force uh, four total sacks. A couple of takeaways from the game. Uh, like I said, uh, the, the running game for Raiders was non-existent, and I really thought that was an issue. Uh, there's been some times this year. I think Jacobs has been going through some injury issues, but um, you know, I just I'm just a little bit surprised. I mean, last week we were able to get 100 yards in the ground with Peyton Barber. You know, so maybe you know, maybe you put him into the mix a little bit just to see what he can do. So I didn't, I didn't like the fact that we were really unbalanced yesterday. Um, of course, Derek Carr, you know, made some plays, but that's what he's gonna have to do if you know you're not gonna be able to run the ball like that. Um, I, I definitely did not like how we went down 21 to zip early. Uh, we had to pretty much fight and claw our way throughout the game. Uh, Chargers went up pretty easily, looked like too. I mean, uh, pretty much in the second quarter, seemed to kind of explode. Um, and 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 for what it's worth, I, I was wrong about Justin Herbert. I'm gonna say it again. I was wrong about him. Um, he uh, continually uh, seems to make me eat crow every week, and it's okay. I mean, I I, I can be wrong about that and be okay with that. <laughs> um, good game from him. Uh, like I said, uh, 25 or 38, over 200 yards. Again, multiple uh, receivers catching touchdown passes. So he's spreading the ball out. This is something that you want from your receivers. Uh, defensively, uh, the Chargers showed up as well, you know, holding the Raiders again to, you know, their, their highest. Uh, uh, I think they just had about 50 rushing yards total. Um, also forcing the interception, also forcing a few sacks there, and also just keeping the Raiders overall at 14 points. Raiders have scored a lot of points over the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, 20 or more. Uh, you know, getting into that 30-point range. So, again, to kind of keep us keep us down like that, you know. Um, 
you know, good luck on the Chargers. Uh, I, I definitely think the Raiders are still in the mix for a playoff berth. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't, I won't be the one that you'll hear say Super Bowl. You won't, I'm a Raider fan, but you won't hear me say Super Bowl unless I feel like we really deserved it. Uh, I didn't think we were a Super Bowl team coming into this, so that never changed, And I'm, but I'm not down on this team either, uh, especially with what I've seen from other teams so far uh, this in week four. Uh, so, you know, not that great of a well, not a good game at all for the Raiders. Uh, we have a long season to go. Uh, there's some things that we definitely need to improve. Uh, particularly, I think we need to get more consistent in that running game. And I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna you know uh, have a, a Henry Ruggs bashing because again he was a leading receiver in terms of yards in this game. Uh, but I I do feel like Hunter Renfro is a little bit more clutch than him at the, at the receiver position. I will say that. And I still think you know I still think the Raiders need a true number one receiver. That's that's just kind of how I feel, and I'm that's probably I'm probably not gonna get out of that mindset at this moment. But let's move on. Uh, let's look at some other scores from Week Four. We got the Jets getting it done to get their first win of the year against the Titans, twenty-seven to twenty-four in overtime. We got the Lions uh, taking another loss here. They still winless. Uh, they took a loss to their divisional rival Bears, the Chicago Bears, fourteen to twenty-four. We also got the Colts getting their first win of the year against the Dolphins, twenty-seven to fourteen. In some inter uh, interconference action, we have the uh, the Browns. They got it done against uh, the Vikings, fourteen to seven. The Browns move to three and one in the year. The Vikings are one and three. In that game, Baker Mayfield will go fifteen to thirty-three for one hundred fifty-five yards. Nick Chubb would have a hundred yards on the ground, and Kareem Hunt will rush for another sixty-nine and a touchdown. Defensive back Andreas Williams would have six total tackles for the Browns and also an interception. And linebacker Malcolm Smith would be your leading tackler for the Browns with eight total. Uh, for the Vikings, Kirk Cousin, uh, okay game, 20-38, 203 yards. He would have a, he would throw a touchdown, but he would also throw a pick. J.J. Jefferson, leading receiver for the Vikings, six receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. And defensive end Daniel Hunter, eight total tackles from him and a sack. Moving on, we got Washington getting it done by four against the Falcons, 34 to 30. We got the Bills blowing out the Texans, 40 to zip. Uh, just an all all around bad game for the one and three Texans. Uh, David Mills will go 11 of 21 for 87 yards. He would throw four picks. Uh, Scott Van Pelt did say it the best. I was watching uh, ESPN Saturday night. He said, "Mama said there'd be days like this." Actually, it was. Uh, Sunday night, I believe, and he ain't lying. Uh, four picks, damn ugly. You can't get worse than that. Uh, Texas was held, was held to just 109 total yards and would also give up five turnovers. So it wasn't just him that was struggling. The Texas offense in general just didn't get it going. They gave up 6.3 yards per play on defense as well. So almost a first down every single play. Uh, for the Bills, Josh Allen, 20-29, 248 yards, two touchdowns. He would also throw a pick. Zach Moss would have 61, 61 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, Stephen Diggs would be your team's leading receiver with seven receptions and 114 yards. Tight end Dawson Knox would get two receiving touchdowns. And on defense, safety Micah High would get an interception. And the Bills would force three sacks on their own. Again, all bad for the Bills right now. I mean, all bad for the Texans right now. I'm hearing that they finally maybe have found a trade partner for Deshaun Watson, though, in the Eagles. But overall, this team is going to hell in a handbasket, and it's quite unfortunate. But, again, they're pretty, they've are pretty they been ran into the ground by terrible front office personnel. They've had Bill O'Brien. He was their coach for many years, trash head coach. And that's what you get. Um, you know, they you know they switched him out, got David Cully in there, but – We'll, we'll see what happens. Saints, uh, they get it done. Sorry, the Giants, they get it done against the Saints, 27-21 to 21 in overtime. They get their first win of the year, uh, that being the New York Giants, to go to 1-3. and three. The Saints are at 500 at 2-2. Two and two. In this one, Daniel Jones, a uh, good game from him, 28-40 for 402 yards. He would throw two touchdowns. He would also throw a pick. Saquon Barkley would have 52 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He would also have 74 receiving yards and a touchdown. Kenny Galladay would be team's leader receiver with six receptions and 116 yards. John Ross would get three catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. And linebacker Tate Crowder and also defensive back Logan Ryan will get nine total tackles each. I believe, oh yes, and defensive back James Bradbury will get an interception. For the Saints, James Winston will go 17-23, 226 yards and a touchdown. So I think the key for him 
is uh, keeping his attempts down a little bit. Uh, I think that's the key for him to keep to, for him to not throw so many interceptions. Uh, again, he wasn't able to get the win, but he didn't hurt his team. So uh, again, any 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 time where Jameis Winston didn't does, doesn't do that, I think is a victory for him personally. Taysom Hill, two rushing touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, 120 yards on the ground. Marquez Callaway would have two receptions for for 74 yards, and Jawan Johnson would have a receiving touchdown. Defensively, defensive back Malcolm Jenkins would get your 12 total tackles. Uh, moving on, we get the Eagles. They come up short against the, the Chiefs, 30 to 42. The Cowboys they get it done against the Panthers, 36 to 28. The Cardinals they get a W over the Rams, 37 to 28. We also have another NFC matchup here with the Seahawks. They get it done against the Niners, 28 to 21. Both teams are now at 500 at 2 and 2. In this one, Jimmy G will go 14 to 23, 165 yards. He would throw a touchdown. He would also throw a pick. Uh, however, he would hurt his cap which uh, may come back to bite him because it has opened the door for Trey Lance, who did pretty well on Sunday with not going 9 of 18 for 157 yards. He would throw two touchdown passes. Debo Samuel, he would have eight receptions for 56 yards and two touchdowns. And defensively, uh, D. Ford at the defensive end spot will get two sacks and a forced fumble. And linebacker Aziz Al-Shair will get two, uh, 10 total tackles. For the Seahawks, Russell Wilson will go 16 to 23 for 149 yards. He would throw two touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. Alex Collins would have 44 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, DK Metcalf would have four receptions and 65 yards and a touchdown. And Freddie Swain at the tight end spot will get a receiving touchdown as well. Defensively for Seattle, linebacker Jordan Brooks would get seven total tackles and a sack. And defensive back Quandre Diggs will pull down interception as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, oh, yes, we got the Ravens and the Broncos. Uh, the Ravens get the W in this one, 23-7. They do spark a little bit of controversy uh, because, again, let's talk about, about that for a second. Uh, not only did, the, like I said, the Ravens get the W on Sunday versus the Broncos, but they also tied an NFL record for 43 straight games with 100 yards or more on the ground. Uh, this, this record goes back to the Steelers from 74 to 77. So, finally, uh, somebody's been able to do that. Uh, the controversy, at least from the Denver standpoint of it, and you know Baltimore haters, particularly Lamar Jackson haters, because that's where you hear a lot of this. These quad, you, you start to see a lot of uh, people's they tell on themselves with certain comments when things like this happen. But again, the play itself occurred with three seconds left in the game. Uh, Vic Fangio, he's mad because normally a team will go, you know, they're supposed to go for the knee if they're winning, particularly with that type of score, uh, and they're supposed to just go out of there with the win. Course, Baltimore wanted to get uh, the record. You know, Big Fangio. This was his quote. I thought, I thought it was kind of bullshit. I expected it from them. Get over it. I mean, they were close to a record. Um, do I feel like it put anybody in any sort of danger? No. Um, you play. You know. You. You. I mean, again. You know, I don't have a problem with it because, again, that's what winning teams do. They go after the gusto. They go for the things that make them look good. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, Baltimore is a playoff, is a is at least a team in a playoff mix. They're in discussions to win that division. I mean, I don't have a problem with them going for, going for a record. You know what I'm saying? I, I think the people that are going to have a problem with it are the people that got to give it up. Now, again, if I'm Big Fangio, I'm mad that I got to be the team. I, I mean, again, I'm mad at my defense. I'm mad at my defense for giving up those plays. If if I'm a real coach, I'm not going to sit there and, and complain too much about what a team did well. I mean, again, uh, Baltimore ran the ball pretty well. Um, actually, um, if anything, Jackson killed him with his arm that day. You know, he had 300 yards in the air. So, um, again, you, you know, get over it. Um, if I'm a if I'm a Denver backer, if I'm a Denver supporter, if I'm a Baltimore slash Lamar Jackson hater, get over it. Um, there's nothing wrong that the team did. There's nothing tacky about that. They had a chance to break a record, and they wanted to do that. Um, again, an extra running play with three seconds left in the game is not going to kill anybody. If you felt some type of way about it, maybe you should have played defense throughout the game and possibly maybe won the game. But to me, with a twenty, I, I if I'm Big Fangio, the head coach right now, I'm more mad about the fact that I had 23 points scored on me, that I, my, out, my defense was outplayed in general, not just on that one play, but throughout the game. 
So I, I again, what are you mad about, really? Again, if you felt that way, maybe you should have been dialing up some pressure uh, packages that would have stopped whatever running game that they had. And it wasn't like they were running all over you. Latavius Murray only had 53 yards. <laughs> so, um, they only had they only had so many yards to get in order to beat the record. So again, I'm not mad at what Baltimore did. Uh, I'm just gonna say it like this: Broncos, y'all sound like some bitches right now. Just gonna outright outright say it. Y'all sound like some straight bitches, especially y'all head coach. Y'all look salty. Y'all look mad salty right now. Uh, next time, get the W, and then we can talk about who's this and who's that, and we'll see how the season goes for you guys. Uh, moving on, we get this, uh, the Packers getting it done, getting it done against the Steelers, twenty-seven to seventeen. Um, we also got in the big prime time matchup. Uh, we had the uh, the Buccaneers getting it done by two against the Patriots, nineteen to seventeen was the final score. Uh, the Patriots moved to three and one the year. Sorry, sorry. I take that back. The Buccaneers are three and one in the year. The Patriots are one and three. For the Patriots, Mac Jones will go th- thirty-one of forty, two hundred and seventy-five yards. He will throw two touchdowns and a good, a decent game, and an interception. Obviously, with Jacoby Myers would have eight receptions for seventy yards, and tight ends Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith would have uh, receiving touchdowns. Linebacker Matt Judon would have seven total tackles and a sack. For the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, of course, would go 200, sorry, 22 of 43 for 269 yards. Ronald Jones would provide a score on the ground. Mike Evans would have seven catches for 75 yards. And uh, tight end Joe Tyron Shoyinka would have two sacks. And defensive back Antoine Winfield Jr. would have an interception. Uh, one more little tidbit about uh, what's going on in the NFL. Uh, recently, I think in the past week or so, uh, they caught your boy Urban Meyer. He was all, you know, booed up, trying to get at the girls at the club out there. I believe it was in Jacksonville. He over here sauced up, trying to get at the girls. I know people going to trip on that. I don't know if he's married or not. I don't know his personal life. I would imagine he's married. I think he's married. I don't know his backstory all all the way. I just know he coached. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't care about his personal life. I mean, it didn't bug, personally, it doesn't bug me to see something like that. I actually like to see people kind of loose and kind of enjoying themselves in life. Now, if he has a wife, it's not necessarily the best of looks. If he has kids that he's helping raise and all that, that's not the greatest of looks. But um, personally, uh, again, he's living his life. He's loose, and uh, I wouldn't be mad about that. It, it didn't get to me to see that. I mean, it, it didn't bother me to see that. Again, if he has a wife, yeah, that's kind of cold. But, I mean, again, he's kind of just letting loose. Uh, girl was up on him, so... <laughs> Again, NFL trying to make a story about nothing. Um, we'll see what happens with the Jag- Jaguars. Hopefully, this isn't distracting too much. <laughs> they do need to get some type of win. They need to be, I mean, all press is press, right? <laughs> I mean, they in the news. They talk about them, you know. So, we'll see. Hopefully, that they'll use that. Oh, yeah, our coach can, our coach can cut it up. He's cool, you know. Maybe they, they find some type of solace with that. I don't know. Um, let's take a look at the standings going into week five. Um, let's start off in the NFC. In the East, we have uh, the, the Cowboys on top, three wins in a row, currently 3-1. Behind them, we have the Washington football team at 2-2. Two and two. And behind them, we have the Eagles, both 1-3. Uh, Giants getting their first win of the season. Eagles not really in a good spot right now. Uh, moving on to the North, we have the Packers here at 3-1. and one. The Bears are behind them at 2-2. Two and two. The Vikings are at 1-3. And, and, of course, bringing up the rear, we have the Lions at 0-4. Out west, we have the Cardinals at 4-0, which was surprising to me. The Grams here are at 3-1. We also have the Seahawks here at 2-2. Two and two. We have the Niners at 2-2 two and two as well. And going to the NFC South, we have the Buccaneers at 3-1 as well as the Panthers. We also have the Saints here at 2-2. Two and, two. and finally, at the bottom, we have the Falcons at 1-3. Let's move on to the AFC. We have the Bills here at 3-1, and one, the Dolphins here at 1-3, and three, as well as the Patriots and the Jets. So, again, um, it looks like the Bills may get it done, but the AFC East still looks like one of the worst divisions in football right now. Uh, let's go to the North. We have the Bengals. We have a three-way tie here with the Bengals, Browns, and Ravens all at 3-1. and one. And then, of course, the underachiever at the moment, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at 1-3. In the AFC South, we have the Titans here at two and two. The, uh, the Titans are two and two. The Texans are one and three, as well as the Colts and the Jaguars. Of course, uh, zero and four. 
Uh, Broncos and Chargers are both 3-1 and one, as well as the Broncos. Uh, we also have the Chiefs here at the bottom. Surprising, but again, the season is still relatively early. Uh, the Chiefs are 2-2. Two and two. Let's move on to some college football. Of course, uh, we get into another week. We have a new top 25. Uh, let's break it down. At number 25, we have San Diego State, who's 4-0. San Diego State is currently 20th in the nation in rushing, uh, 251 yards a game. They are 39th altogether in offense, uh, actually in total defense, and they are 6 against the rush, which is 46 yards allowed per game, 19 points allowed per game, which is 31st in the nation, so again, a good running team, they don't give up a lot of points defensively, pretty solid defensive team, this uh, team defensively is led by safety Patrick Morris, 24 total tackles on a year from him, he also has a tackle for loss, an INT, and also five, sorry, 3 pass deflections. Moving on, we have SMU 5-0 and right now. Coming out of the American Conference, uh, I, I haven't seen so much of them yet. Uh, they play in a smaller conference, a uh, mid-major conference, so you know they're kind of in here right now because you know they haven't lost. But you know, when they do, they're more than likely going to drop just because of their their level of competition is so low, and that's just kind of how the the voters of the top twenty-five are. Uh, but uh, above them, or one spot above them at twenty-three, we do have. North Carolina State at 4-1. Uh, we had 20, at 22, excuse me, we have Arizona State at 4-1 uh, as well. They are 1-1 one one against the top 25. Uh, they do have that loss to BYU, uh, but they did get a, uh, a win last weekend against USC in a pretty good matchup as well. Jaden Daniels will go 13 of 18 at one for 286 yards. He would have two touchdowns. Running back Rashad for 69 yards on the ground and also two touchdowns. And wide receiver Rick Rick Persall would have four receptions for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Defensively, Arizona State will first force four, three sacks and they would end up getting a win against UCLA, 42 to 23. And I believe UCLA has now been kicked out of the rankings. That's just how. Uh, that's just how these things go. Uh, at number 21, we have Texas. They're riding three get three wins in a row. They do have a big game this weekend against number six, Oklahoma. Again, they're riding three games in a row, three wins in a row. Uh, but we did see them against a ranked opponent in Arkansas, and they got blown out. So the question is, um, how what, what Texas shows up? Are we going to get the Texas that, you know, that we saw against Arkansas? Or are we going to get the Texas that showed up against non-ranked opponents and did, pretty much did their thing? So... I don't know yet. I'm not completely convinced. Um, above them, though, we have Florida at three and two. I don't know how that happens. Florida took a couple ugly losses so far, but again, they're in the mix. They recently lost to uh, Kentucky. That was an upset loss. I don't know how they remain in the top twenty with two losses, but that's. I mean that's the way it is. At number nineteen we have Wake Forest at five and zero, Auburn at four and one. Uh, we have Ole Miss, aka Mississippi, uh, number seventeen. They dropped a few spots since taking that loss to Alabama, that blowout loss to Alabama. I mean, God, uh, it's so funny because uh, before the game, I guess they were interviewing, uh, yeah, the head coach uh, for Ole Miss, uh, Lane Kiffin. He's over there talking hell of shit. He's like. Get your popcorn ready, right? Yeah, it's gonna be a good game. Well, apparently they got blown out by Alabama, forty-two to twenty-one. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, like I said, it goes to four and one. Alabama remains undefeated at five and zero. Oh, in that game, Bryce uh, Bryce Young for Alabama will go twenty-one to twenty-seven for 241 yards, excuse me, and two touchdowns. Brian Robinson would have one hundred and seventy-one yards on the ground and four touchdowns. Wide receiver John Mechie and also tight end Cameron Latu would have a receiving touchdown. And defensive lineman Philandrian Mathis would have a sack and a forced fumble. And linebacker Will Anderson would also force a sack. For Ole Miss, Matt Corral would go twenty-one to twenty-nine for two hundred thirteen yards. He would have a touchdown through the air and a touchdown on the ground. Wide receiver Chase Rogers would have three catches for fifty-three yards and a touchdown. And Ole Miss. Would force three sacks of their own uh, and also defensive back Keldron Smith would have an interception but again like I said it didn't really matter because they got blown out 42-21 Alabama keeps rolling maybe they weren't maybe they weren't lacking like we might have thought they were at number 16 we have Kentucky again they get a big winning on the road over Florida this kind of boosts them up I don't know why it boosted them up to all the way to 16 
Well, I don't know. But currently, they're 30th in total defense, and they are 54th in the nation against the run. So they're a solid team defensively. At number 15, we have Coastal Carolina at 5-0. and At number 14, we have Notre Dame. Notre Dame here, uh, they suffered their first loss last weekend to number... Ooh, yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati to move up. Uh, number five, Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati stays at uh, undefeated right now. Season. In this one, Jack Cohn will go 14 to 22 for 114 yards. He would throw an interception. He did get hurt. He needed to be carted off the field. I don't know his status coming into this week. He was replaced by Drew Pine, who will go 9 to 22 for 143 yards. He would throw a touchdown pass. Kieran Williams would have 45 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Robert receiver Braden Lindsey would have four receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown. And defensive lineman Myron Tagovailoa Almosa would have a sack. And for Cincinnati, quarterback Desmond Ritter having a great season so far. Uh, at this point, he has been named at least a Heisman finalist, on, according to some some analysts. 18-31 uh, from him, 261 yards, two touchdowns, and he would have a rushing uh, a rushing score as well. Wide receiver Alec Pierce would have six receptions for 140 yards. Tight end Leo, sorry, Le Leonard Taylor, and also uh, wide receiver Trey Tucker would have receiving touchdowns as well. And for the pa the Bearcats defensively, linebacker Deshaun Page would get seven total tackles and an interception. And overall, Cincinnati will hold the Irish to just 84 yards on the ground. The Irish that 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 was their thing coming into this year, being a pre a pretty good running team, top 10 to be exact. It did not show up last Saturday, and here, there you go. That's how you take an L right there. Whenever you're not, whenever you know you're proficient at something, and a team keeps you from doing that thing that you're proficient at, a lot of times you end up losing because you ain't got a whole lot going on outside of that. So that reveals a lot to me about Cincinnati. Uh, sorry about Notre Dame. They don't really have that great of a passing attack. Uh, moving on at number 13, we have Arkansas at 4-1. At number 12, we have Oklahoma at 5-0. At number 11, we have Michigan State also at 5-0. We've reached the top 10 now with BYU and Michigan both at 5-0. Uh, at number 8, we have Oregon at 4-1. Of course, they took that ugly loss to Stanford last week. Let's talk about that game real quick. I guess I got to get my get my thoughts off my chest about this one. Um, you know, I thought it was a good sequel. I thought it was a, a decent game from the from the Ducks in the third quarter. I will say that. Um, I don't know. Okay, let me just say it like this. I think the the Ducks' biggest issue was that, particularly in the fourth quarter, we had the game one. We decide on uh, the last um, drive, pretty much, well, our last drive in the regulation that we were going to just take the ball for about 10 minutes left and just try to sit on it. And we're going to take a mission, as much time. We, well, the, the goal was, and again, this is our head coach, Mario Cristobal, I think trying to be cute, trying to be the smartest guy on the field, the smartest coach on the field. And it backfired. I truly felt that there's no way for a team to kill five plus minutes on a clock. And, and kill the whole game and say we're gonna take the ball for the rest of the game. There's no way I've I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen that happen. Now what I've have seen is teams hold the ball for a long time. At the very least, score a field goal and then tell the team, "Hey, we're up two scores. Now you try to get that back." Oregon did themselves a disservice. They should have been having the foot on the gas. You you do not lit up. To me, that's a form of lit up. That's a form of playing with your food. Oregon does not have the, we're not Alabama, okay? And we're not, you know, Georgia right now. We are not in a position to be playing with our opponents, to be playing down to their abilities. Uh, there is a question. Uh, maybe the Ducks look to make some changes at the quarterback spot. Uh, last week, Anthony Brown didn't do so hot. 14 to 26 from him, 187 yards of the air. He would throw an interception. So far this season, he has a 56% completion percentage, 55% on his career. Overall in the year, he has, he's had 950 passing yards with six touchdowns and an interception. He also has four scores on the ground. So 10 touchdowns he's responsible for. So that would be uh, 70 points, or six, sorry, six, uh, 60 points that he's responsible for. So... Well, let's see. Uh, six, yeah, ten scores altogether. Yeah, seven. That's seven points. He's at sixty points. So, 
and of course, there's uh, accuracy issues that people have highlighted. I do see that. But I also see, again, that last that last drive that the Ducks had. Mario Cristobal was trying to be way too cute. Oh, let's just, let's just waste time. Let's kill the clock. And then, you know, you decide, oh, well, I mean, I guess scoring wasn't your option. So, again, once you found yourself in a hole, it was just, oh, we've wasted all this time. Let's just kind of just keep killing time. I don't think so. I th and I think a lot of that had to do with Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator, not being there for whatever reason. Of course, he was sick. We don't know what exactly that illness was, but he wasn't able to show up with the team. And um, it's just kind of unfortunate, in my opinion that you know we just don't think to to put the foot on the gas we have our foot on our neck and we lit them off the hook we're gonna lit them off the hook by uh, by mario cristobal just sitting on the clock for like the last eight minutes trying to kill a clock that he didn't really need to he could have just scored and so would have stanford would have scored right behind us a touchdown or, or a touchdown or a field goal would have Negated whatever Stanford was going to do on that last drive. Um, as mad as, as as mad as I am at the refs for what I saw with that last play, because of course they weren't calling shit. I do believe that that was a factor. But if we would have at least scored a field goal, that would have been null and void. By the time it took, because again, it time was time was done. So what if they would have scored and went for two? We would have still won. Or we can open up the door and allow Stanford to come back. Now, I'm not a fan of the targeting play. I thought that was bullshit. I also thought the roughing the passer call was bullshit. But I'll give you, you know, a pass because I'll give those plays a pass because, again, they're, you know, contact penalties. I know the leagues, both leagues, NFL and college, are just so all scared about helmet to helmet. They just don't want people to get hit when they're vulnerable. Fine. I'll give you those. But that last call in the end zone, that was definitely a bullshit call. I don't see a defensive hold. But again, when you give up those two penalties, you allow the team to come down. You did not score when you had the ball last to put to put them in a bind of two scores down. That's what happens. And they did do whatever they needed to do on that final drive in overtime to win the game. So, yeah, Anthony Brown didn't do super great. But I also felt like Mario Cristobal's play calling left a lot to be desired as well. And that's as fair as I can keep it. That's as level as I can keep it. Um, again, thanks a lot, Pac-12 refs. You make the 12, you make the Pac-12, Pac-12 look like an incompetent conference because again, it's another situation of us eating our our each other alive. We can't have anything good. Because of that, and that last play was kind of indicative of that. Again, that last play of regulation. Because again, the game was won, the game was over. Okay, despite what had happened before that, I still thought the game was won. There was no holding call, and the refs decided, "Oh, let's just take this to overtime. This is a really great game." Damn. Okay, now look at you. There's no undefeated team that we have on our conference right now. No shot of us making a conference or a national tournament again. Because what? Because the refs decide, oh, we want to throw a flag on this play in particular. Come on. After we haven't been calling that call the whole game. Okay, guys. Right. Thanks. Thanks, refs. Thanks. You truly did your job Sunday or Saturday. Great job, guys. Great. Great, fantastic job. And, of course, you know I'm being sarcastic with that. So, And, no, I'm not beneath sarcasm. Sarcasm. I love it. So, great job, Pac-12. Great officiating job. We're the conference of champions, although we haven't won a football championship since USC. Great job. And the best shot we had at doing that this year, you decided to say, fuck it, right? Blow that up. Okay, moving on to number six. Sorry, number seven. We have Ohio State at 4-1. We have Oklahoma at 4-1. Cincinnati, of course, we talked about their big win against Notre Dame. They're 4-0 at number five. At number four, we have Penn State at 5-0. We also have Iowa here at 5-0 at number three. They're 23 in overall defense, 24th against the run, 84 yards allowed per game. Stout running defense, that's what Iowa is known for. At number two, we have... Um, Georgia at 5-0. At, at number one, we have Alabama at 
I did have a couple questions uh, going into week six. We kind of talked about uh, the Anthony Brown situation in Oregon. Um, I don't think he's a great quarterback, right? I mean, I don't think he's, like, if you look at his numbers, of course, particularly with the completion percentage, it makes him look like a not great quarterback. And it's easy to kind of look at that. But I do feel that he, let me say, he, I, I feel like with a, with a touchdown ratio of 6-1, to one, four touchdowns on the ground, he does the job for us. He just doesn't have the greatest of numbers. And I also think that he's switching to a different offense. And then, of course, in a big game like that against Stanford on the road, Pac-12 rival, it would have helped to have our offensive coordinator. And he just wasn't there. And that was a big factor, too. Um, I don't I don't know who you would put in right now. Um, and I'm very skeptical about putting in somebody who hasn't played at all just yet, like a, like a freshman. I don't like that concept, especially right right now in this position of the Pac-12. So many potent teams left. I want to go with a guy that has experience. I feel like if we could, can just keep that, that practice situation right, if we can keep, you know, Jordan Moorhead, Moorhead in his ear and kind of coaching him up, I think he should be solid. I don't want to make that switch just right now. I think we're already too deep for that. That's just my opinion. Now, unless he has a terrible game next week, then I'll say, yeah, make a call, but not just yet. My other question going into week six is about Ed Ogeron. Is he done at LSU? After a 24-19 loss to Auburn, LSU has dropped 3-2 to this season. Um, and overall, the, the Tigers have just gone two games above 500 since winning the national championship in 2019. So... What, I, what that means is they've only won about two games more than they lost since they've won that national championship. Much of the problem is stemming from the offense, at least this season, and newly minted offensive coordinator Jake Peets. Uh, most notably, it's been in his play calling. Apparently, he, he's calling plays too late or he's switching them at the line, and it's not really working for the offense right now. Currently, LSU is next to last in the conference in rushing yards, which is not good because they've normally been a, a potent rushing team. Now, uh, this was a quote coming from Ogeron itself. He would go on to say, ultimately, I'm responsible for the performance of the team. I will always be responsible. He ain't lying. Um, and also, they have a big test this weekend against undefeated Kentucky, who's number 16. This game, this game could pretty, uh, pretty much go either way. Does this game make or break Ed Ogeron? I think under a lot of circumstances, no. But I, but I think for the fact that he's coaching in the SEC, Coaching for LSU. LSU has a high standard. Now, I know you don't normally wouldn't cut your coach after winning your national championship a couple years ago, but if you've fallen off in the way that they have, I can see that happening. I think this uh, Kentucky game could be a make-or-break game. I think if they get past Kentucky with a win, they can salvage their season and have a decent season. I don't think they win a division. I don't think they win the conference, but they're in a position to, to save Ogeron for at least another year. I think if they lose this game, they're at 500. They're not in a good spot, in my opinion. And I think they could potentially fall off. And if they fall off this year, they end up with a losing record this year, I think you do see Ed Ogeron gone. But he's such a good guy. I've been seeing him all around. He's SEC out. You know, um, he's been a he's been a interim coach for so many years, for so many different squads. And he just has a like. I like his energy. I like what he brings to the table. Uh, but I think just when it comes to the X's and O's on every Saturday, he ain't he ain't always getting it done. Um, and maybe you put in maybe he maybe next time if he's given another position, maybe he gets a better supporting cast in terms of coaches around him. I think this is the type of guy that you know he's a pretty solid coach, but you need to have great coordinators around him that can call plays because he, he can call, I think he can recruit pretty well. He's a guy that I think people rally behind that they like they want to play for. But the X's and O's do uh, come into factor, and I don't think he's the greatest at that. So I think that's holding him back. That's been holding LSU back. And again, if they can, if they cannot get past Kentucky this weekend, I think they do fall off, and you might see the rest. You might see uh, the last of that older run, and that could suck. Because again, I think he's one of the good guys of college football. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break. When I get back, we're gonna be breaking down some MLB action. I'm going over the last uh, look at the standings for the season, the last standings. Uh, we're also going to be previewing the AL wildcard for tonight, and we're also going to be talking about um, some some of the some of the winners and the losers this season, so the good and the bad. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. 
All right, y'all. It is officially postseason time in the MLB season. Uh, before we uh, before we get into the matchups, at least tonight's matchup in the AL Wild Card, let's go through the final standings of the regular season. Also, want to talk about some losers and some winners. Um, later on this week, we'll also talk about some of the top ten players of the year, offensively, pitching wise, and we'll also talk about some of the. Uh, candidates for these end of the year awards so let's get into it with the american league uh, like i said the final regular season standings in the american league central of course we have chicago uh they take that with relatively ease 96 and sorry 93 and 69 total record like i said clinched the division relatively easily uh behind them we have the cleveland guardians slash indians 80 and 82 on the year uh third place we have the tigers at 77 and 85 the royals at 74 and 88 and finishing in last place we have the twins at 73 and 89 in the west we had the astros of course winning the division again i believe this is the third or fourth year in a row 95 and 67 uh, Mariners 90 and 72 came up a little bit short, but had a run, a, a really good run near the end. We had the A's here falling apart uh, near the end. Near yeah, starting around really August, really. 86 and 76 is the final score there. Uh, 86 and the 76 is the final record there for the A's. Again, a disappointing finish to what seemed to be like a, a promising year. Uh, 80, sorry, we have behind them, we have the Angels 77 and 85. We have the Rangers at 60 and 102. And in the East, we have the Rays. Of course, they clinched the division with 100 wins and 62 losses. We have the Red Sox here at 92 and 70. And the Yankees, 92 and 70 as well, both clinching the wild card for the American League. And behind them, we have the Blue Jays. Just came up one game short behind them, uh, 91 and 71. And of course, the Orioles finished tied with the worst record in baseball at 52 and 110. Uh, they tied with Arizona, by the way. In the National League, we had the Brewers taking that division, the Central, the Central Division that is, uh, 95 and 67. Uh, we have the Cardinals; they clinched a wild card out of the division, 90 and 72 was their final record. We have the Reds finishing third in the division at 83 and 79. The Cubs. Uh, will finish 71 and 91, and the Pirates will finish 61 and 101. Of course, last place. Um, in the West, we have the uh, sorry, the Giants uh, finishing 107, 107 and 55. They finished the division, of course, uh, best record in all of baseball. The Dodgers finished one game behind them, uh, 106 and 56. Again, they clinched the wild card, but would but do have to go up against one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, being the Cardinals, in a one-game series. I think that's a little bit scary. The Padres here are at third place, 79 and 83. Uh, fourth place, we have the Rockies at 74 and 87. And of course, we have the Diamondbacks here at 52 and 110. In the NL East, we have the Braves who clinched the division, 88 and 73 was their final record. The Phillies are 82 and 80. They finished second. The Mets, yeah, we heard so much about them just regressing and just not hitting the mark. 77 and 85, they finished third. And fourth, we have the Marlins here at 67 and 95. And in last place, we have the Nationals here, 95, sorry, 65 and 97. Uh, let's take a couple look. Uh, well, like I said, let's take a look at that AL wild card uh, game uh, coming on tonight. Like I said, Red Sox and Yankees. They met 19 times this season. The Red Sox hold a slight, at, slight 10 to nine advantage over the Yankees right now, and uh, the Yankees. They're okay against this team. They have a 700 OPS against Boston. The Yankees are overall six in ERA uh, with a 3.74. They rank fourth in strikeouts this year. Uh, one, uh, sorry, 1500 over 1500 of those. The Bronx Bombers again. Uh, they just know how to they they know how to get power hitters. Uh, they got Aaron Judge there, 39 home runs, 98 RBIs. You also got Giancarlo standing here with 35 home runs and 97 RBIs. Uh, again, it's a one-game factor, but, you know, again, when you got people who hit the ball like that, I mean, things can happen. The Red Sox, they finished uh, second in slugging percentage uh, in terms of the MLB. We're at 449. They're also fifth in RBIs, fifth in total runs. So this is a team that can score as well. Uh, they don't have the 
power. They don't have all the power hitters that New York has, but they do have Rafael Devers. He's a power hitter, among, you know, even within himself. 38 home runs on the year from him, 113 RBIs. Uh, we're going to be looking at Nathan Ivalotti. I believe he'll be making the start tonight. 11-9 uh, on the year, 3.79 ERA, 195 strikeouts. Uh, both teams, like I said, are in top are top 10 in runs scored. So, and they're also... Uh, yeah, the top 10 in runs scored. So I think this one could could be a, an exciting one. Again, it's just a one game, you know, short, show us your best shot. This one might go into extra innings, and this one might be, I think we might see up to 10 runs in this one. We, we could. I'm just saying. They both score about five runs a game. So let's see what happens. Um, actually, we're going to hold off on the jar, my Dodgers preview until tomorrow. I'm going to be going over the final score for tonight's game tomorrow morning. So I'm going to say that uh, preview for the for the Cardinals Dodgers tomorrow. Uh, but let's look at uh, some of the biggest winners and losers of the end of the season this year in the MLB. Uh, these are my try again next year awards, uh, particularly for the losers. Uh, but let's look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. These are my big losers of the season. Again, these are my try again next year awards. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you'll know why I'm saying this. Um, first off, we had the San Diego Padres. Um, after adding big names to the, to the rotation and you, Darvish, Blake Schnell, also Joe Musgrove, this was supposed to be a big year for San Diego. Things would fall apart after the All-Star break with the team going 27-42 and was eliminated from the wild card race last month. Uh, they would go on to finish 15 games below 500, and they were 14th in TR, team ERA with 4.10. And there are talks of them letting go of their manager. So we don't know what's going to happen just yet, but we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, we also got the Dodgers. I mean, sorry, not the Dodgers, but they're the Dodgers' crosstown rival in the Angels. Uh, they missed out on their power hitters, Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, for the majority of the season. Uh, they were finished, like, you know, they finished near the bottom of the AL West. For the first time in his career, uh, Shio Itani, Shuei Itani, would actually make 10 starts on the mound and have 425 plate appearances. That did a lot of good things for his numbers uh, near the top home runs. Putting a lot of RBIs, uh, decent win-loss percentage, decent ERA as well. Uh, he has 25 stolen bases. He, oh, sorry, he's the first player to get 45 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and 100 runs. He also led the MLB in triples this season with eight. Now, the thing is, he's satisfied as of right now uh, in L.A. He likes the fan base. He likes the potential to be able to, you know, especially this, with the season you're having right now. Uh, he's like He's liking that he's been able to do that. However, he's not all impressed by the team's overall success. Um, and again, I believe he's going to be a free agent going into next year. If things are not addressed by then, we might have uh, we might have a star leaving. That's what you got. Uh, moving on, we have the Chicago Cubs. Try again next year, guys. They finished third in the NL Central, 4.817 ERA, 27th in all of baseball, fourth and earned runs with 765. They were first, fourth, excuse me, in walks allowed as well with 255. Sorry, uh, I don't have the exact number of walks allowed, but they had a 255 opponent batting average, uh, and that is not good. So teams were pretty much hitting, <laughs> hitting the ball pretty well on them. Uh, they were 27th in team whip, so they're giving up uh, pretty much a hit or a walk every inning. Um, not good numbers from them. Uh, they were average in terms of hitting. They were 18th in team OPS with a .719, uh, 24th in team batting average with a .237, and just you know overall, it just results in a 7191 a year uh, regressing. And of course, they had that fire sale at the end of the All Star break. They got rid of Anthony Rizzo. They got rid of uh, I want to say oh Javi. I can't remember Javi Baez. A couple of different players. Oh, Chris Bryant. He went up going to the Giants, having still having a solid year. So, yeah, yeah, they're looking to rebuild. Uh, and finally, we had the Baltimore Orioles again, the ultimate try again next year. Try again every year. Lost 14 games in a row twice this season. 23rd in team OPS with a .705, 26 in, in RBIs. They also 26 in runs scored, which is 659. Uh, they have a two point, sorry, a point. 0.239 batting average, uh, which is good enough for 19th. They, however, they do have a higher batting. They had a higher batting average than the Yankees and the Brewers, two playoff bound teams. So, go figure. But obviously, batting average isn't 
<laughs> is a major, major stat. Uh, pitching was also bad, though, for the Orioles. Five, uh, 5.84 ERA. That was dead last in the MLB. They had the most runs allowed at 910. Um, so a lot of bad things going on for this team this year, but they have one good thing, and that is the fact that they have a decent farm system right now. Of course, they're minor leagues. Um, Adley Rapschman, we talked about him. We mentioned him before. Uh, but, again, with another season like this, the best that they can say is that they're adding to that because they're going to be up for the first-round pick in the draft. Uh, be up between them and the Angels, so I'm pretty sure they don't get it. I'm pretty sure they'll get the second, so that's a pretty still high. That's still a pretty high pick. So, yeah, so they'll be adding to that farm system, which is good, I guess. But overall, as a product, terrible. Uh, their major league product is terrible. I don't know what to say. All right, y'all, we are calling a wrap for now. For now, excuse me. Uh, we leaving my uh, Instagram link available for you guys. Uh, if you are looking to get in touch with me, please follow me there. Please check out my YouTube channel as well. Uh, we are working on new content as we speak. As far as the next episode of the podcast is concerned, we are coming back to the MLB. We'll be going over uh, this, well, the AL wild card. I will be previewing the NL wild card game. Also, be going over some stats and figures from uh, the MLB season as well. So, so just to kind of recap uh, more of the season, regular season, and just to highlight the playoffs. And then also, uh, that's my goal there. And also, uh, previewing the next uh, football, oh, sorry, <laughs> uh, week seven, I think we're at right now in college football. So, we'll be previewing that week six, however, however it is. Yeah, week six. Week, that week zero threw me off. I don't know. They had like a whole week of football that they didn't count as week one. So, a college football that is, that didn't count or that didn't, wasn't counted as week one. So, it's kind of confusing. But uh, we also will be previewing week four. Or we at week five now in the NFL. God damn, time is moving fast. Yes, week five of the NFL. We'll be breaking that down. Of course, all the matchups, breaking down some news. And you know how it is. And also, hopefully, we have some big news coming across to talk about as well. So, uh, yes, look out for me uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, try to look out for me tomorrow morning. Um, I will have a new episode up by then, uh, if not that, that very next evening. And uh, we'll just go from there. All right, y'all. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight you guys later.